there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 22, Thoughts on Loneliness and Connection. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Everybody, I hope you're having a great week. It's hard for me to believe it's already September. My daughter and I were talking about how uh, we're coming up on six months of when everything kind of went crazy and shut down last spring um, and how in some ways it seems like a very slow six months but in other ways it's actually gone by really quickly. So it'll be super interesting to see how the next six months play out I think. Who knows where we'll be, right? So our topic today is loneliness and connection. And loneliness is an emotion that I have been hearing a lot about over the past few months. And I think with all of the, you know, the government ordered closures and the stay at home advisories, most people became pretty isolated for a while. And we lost um, the majority of our social interactions and outlets and opportunities. And this affected people to different degrees. It was much harder on some than others. But for a lot of people, this isolation created some real consequences as far as their mental and emotional health. Um, So think about the phrase social distancing. That wasn't a term I'd ever heard or used before six months ago. And now it's just a very common part of our everyday lives, right? So um, loneliness and social isolation were an issue long before this pandemic, but the growing number of people affected by it over the past several months has kind of brought this issue into the spotlight and given attention to a health crisis that previously... um, there wasn't really a lot of awareness around. So I think it's good that we're hearing and learning more about loneliness and how it's affecting us as individuals and as a society. Now, there have been studies that have shown um, that the status of our relationships can have a huge impact, not just on our mental and emotional health, but on our physical health as well. And these studies have shown that chronic loneliness and isolation can be as harmful to our health as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, and it can actually shorten our lifespans by as much as five years. Um, Another thing they found from these studies is that feeling socially disconnected can have a more negative impact on our bodies um, than things like obesity, sedentary living, high blood pressure or cholesterol, and that people who feel that they don't have um, strong social and emotional support consistently experience more anxiety, more depression, um, more cognitive decline, Um, higher levels of inflammation in the body, poor immune function, the list kind of goes on. And for a long time, loneliness, um, it was thought that loneliness was a problem that mostly affected the elderly, but it turns out that actually a higher percentage of Gen Zers and Millennials report feeling lonely much more often than baby boomers do. And there are certain factors that can contribute to this. Feelings of loneliness can be increased with heavy social media use, um, even heavy technology use in general. It's associated with um, major life transitions or changes, and it can be influenced by, um, you know, like cultural expectations of what our lives should look like. Loneliness can even be triggered by uncertainty about the future. Hello, 2020. That's kind of the situation for a lot of us right now, right? So loneliness is actually a problem um, that affects a wide variety of people of all ages, and it's certainly worth um, taking a look into. So Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is a former U.S. Surgeon General, wrote a book all about loneliness and the importance of human connection. It's called Together, the Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. And he writes about um, his time as Surgeon General 
and how he toured around the country talking with people about their biggest health issues and concerns. And as he listened to people share their health struggles, he said um, he started to notice a common thread of loneliness in so many of their stories. And he realized that feelings of loneliness and isolation were far more common than he had thought. And so he kind of turned his attention to figuring out how to address this problem and really improve human connection. So Dr. Murthy says that biologically, the emotion of loneliness puts our bodies into a state of stress. And this response, he says, goes back to the more primitive time when we as humans really relied on each other for safety, for support, for community, um, and even for the sharing of resources. And when someone was separated from the group or the tribe, their chance of survival was um, actually decreased. And so we developed this stress state, um, which in the short term can be a good thing, right? Because it motivates us to go out and to solve the problem and to connect with others. But when that state of stress is prolonged or it becomes chronic, that's when we start seeing the health issues that I mentioned previously. So initially, this emotional response isn't harmful. Um, It kind of serves as a red flag, like we've talked about with other emotions like fear or anger. But when we don't address it, it can really become a problem that affects us mentally, emotionally, and physically. So because of this stress response that signals the need for community and connection, we have developed this kind of, he calls it a hypervigilance. We have this response that's triggered when we perceive that we're not being included in a group or that we lack social support. And even though these situations today aren't physically dangerous for us like they were for humans in the more primitive times, our bodies and our brains still interpret these situations as threats to us. Um, Our brains are very concerned about our protection, right? But we also know that our primitive lower brain's initial response to our circumstances isn't always right. Um, Sometimes that lower brain is telling us that we're in danger when in fact we're just fine. But something interesting happens when we're thrown into this state of stress. It can actually make it harder for us to connect with other people. The emotion of loneliness is what we would all probably categorize as a negative emotion, right? And we might describe it as feeling like left out, unwanted, rejected, uh, maybe forgotten, maybe unimportant, or like we just don't fit in. Um, Emotions that don't these emotions don't really feel good in our bodies, right? And I am, I, I'm planning on going into more detail um, about this in another episode, um, but here's the quick version. There are certain emotions that put us into kind of a defensive or protective mode. They cause us to turn inward um, and they can really make us so focused on ourselves and our own discomfort that we actually become less focused on reaching out to others and doing the things that will help us make the connections that we're seeking. And Dr. Murthy says that these emotions can kind of feed off of each other and cause us to feel things um, like depression and anxiety, which can make it even harder to connect with other people. And then it actually perpetuates this cycle of loneliness and negative emotion. So when we're feeling deep loneliness and our bodies are in this state of stress, we are much more likely to shut people out um, and to avoid interactions. We're less likely to engage with others, which is a big part of connecting and forming relationships, right? So that's what happens um, with the more negative or uncomfortable emotions. And with the more positive emotions, we're going to have the opposite effect. They're going to generally expand us. They're going to broaden our attention and take our focus from ourselves to others. And we're going to make um, more of an effort to reach out and connect with them. 
So I thought that was super interesting. So the emotions you're feeling will have an influence on your motivation and your ability to connect with other people. And this is why it's good to understand where our emotions come from so that we can work to create emotions within ourselves that will lead us to the connection that we desire. And I think it's important to know that the, to know this about our brains and um, these kind of programmed responses that we have so that we can see them for what they are and then know how to deal with them to ca- and counteract them when they come up for us and really create more meaningful connection in our lives. So I know that I've personally been affected by loneliness many times in my life, um, but sometimes I didn't necessarily recognize it as being lonely. I think sometimes I would be feeling what I would describe as maybe anxiety, um, some insecurity, uh, inadequacy, maybe even some jealousy or competitiveness in there. Um, But looking back at the root of so many of those emotions was loneliness and the desire to just feel loved and connected. And I think um, that can be the case for a lot of the more negative emotions we feel. Many times there's an underlying root emotion that we might not even be aware of that's fueling those more obvious ones. So I think it's important to become aware of the emotion of loneliness, to be able to recognize it in ourselves and to be able to recognize it in other people and to really get more intentional about how we think about it and then how we respond to it um, when we are feeling lonely. So we hear all the time that humans need connection, right? That is one of our basic needs. But what even is connection? A lot of the time we think connection comes from outside of us, that other people need to do something or be a certain way for us to feel connected to them or that certain things need to happen for us to feel connection. Um, We think that connection just happens to us and that we either either have it or we don't, depending on um, who's in our lives and what they're doing. And loneliness is kind of the same because it seems dependent on other people and the way they interact with us, right? If we're feeling lonely, we can feel very needy, like we want other people to step in and do something for us so that we can feel less lonely. But you can be in a room full of people you know, friends or family even, and still experience loneliness. I've been in those situations, right? Um, Have you ever been in a church meeting with people you know that, you know, that you've been in the same ward with for a long time and felt lonely? I, I certainly have. Um, I've also been in sacrament meetings where I've, I don't know anybody, right? I'm a visitor, but I feel a sense of connection and love. Um, so the reality is that the connection or loneliness we feel is created in our minds. And that doesn't mean that they aren't real emotions, but it does mean that we have a little more control over our experience of these emotions than we sometimes think. Um, Now, some people don't like to hear this. They want the problem to be outside of them because that feels easier in a way for someone else to be responsible for your problem, right? Um, So if you're not sure about this, stay with me here. We, um, We can feel a connection with someone we've never even met. I know people who feel connection to their favorite celebrities, right? We just heard last week about the death of Chadwick Boseman. Um, who played Black Panther, and so many people have been impacted by this, most of whom have never met him, but they loved and admired him and felt a connection to him. Another example for you, several years ago, um, my brother began a long-distance relationship with a girl in Brazil that he met on his mission Facebook page. They'd served in the same mission, Um, not at the same time, and after several months, they got engaged and were later married, and I didn't meet her until just a few weeks before the wedding, Um, but I felt so much love for her and connection with my sister-in-law long before I ever met her or even talked with her. Um, On the other side of this, we probably have all experienced some disconnection with the people in closest proximity to us, maybe a spouse or a parent or one of our kids, right? So connection isn't as much about proximity or similarity or things we have in common with someone or even communication, right? The connection we feel to someone has much more to do with the thoughts we have about the people and the circumstances in our lives. And of course, there are some people who are much easier for us to feel connected to. 
and some circumstances are much easier for us to feel lonely in. Um, But remember that our goal as emotional adults is to take responsibility for our feelings, right? We are learning how to choose intentionally how we want to feel about the people and the circumstances in our lives. That is emotional intelligence and that is true freedom and empowerment. When we're using our agency to decide how we want to feel, to decide what thoughts and emotions serve us, and then to create them and practice them and make them a part of who we are, that is when we become true emotional adults. So if you've been feeling some loneliness or some disconnection, whether it's the result of the current pandemic or not, I'm going to give you some ideas of things you can do to feel better, to feel more connected. And I think this is an important topic to discuss with our kids too, so they can recognize loneliness when it comes up for them and then feel empowered to do something about it and know how to solve for it. So one thing we can do is to reframe the way we think about loneliness in the first place. Loneliness, like we talked about earlier, is a very common, normal human emotion. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with us. It's kind of like our body signaling to us that it's time to eat. When we feel those hunger pains, we know that our body needs fuel, right? Well, you can think of loneliness in the same way. It's a little signal that we're craving some social interaction, that we have a desire to connect with people. Now, sometimes our brain likes to take these little red flag emotions and go a little crazy with them, right? And in this case, in the case of loneliness, instead of seeing it as just a signal that we should go out and make some connections, um, we can kind of slip into judgment. And we can judge ourselves, we can judge other people for their actions or inactions, um, and we can judge our circumstances. We can make the loneliness mean, um, the loneliness we're feeling mean something about us. It can make us feel like we don't belong. Um, It can make us doubt our lovability, our significance in the world, um, our capability, or even our desirability as a person. And those assumptions and those doubts can be painful and can cause a lot of those other emotions like shame or jealousy or insecurity or inadequacy, right? When when you start, um, which when you pile them on top of loneliness can cause us even more emotional suffering. So don't get caught up in this. I've done this myself and I have made my feelings of loneliness mean all kinds of things about myself that weren't true. Things like that I don't fit in, that nobody likes me, um, that I don't have anything to offer the world. And looking back, I can see how that thinking just pulled me down into a spiral of even more negativity and isolation. So let's just take the shame out of loneliness. Let's quit judging ourselves and our situations and stop layering those negative emotions. Um, That's not helping us feel better or create the connection we're looking for. Okay, so that leads us to tip number two. Something that I love that Dr. Murthy talks about in his book is how the most important connection for us to work on is the relationship we have with ourselves. He says that paradoxically, solitude protects us against loneliness. Um, And I think for me, connecting with myself and connecting with God are kind of one and the same. I know that when I'm learning about or connecting with my Heavenly Father, I feel much more connected to my divine self. Um, And it's easier to have that higher perspective of myself and my life and my potential. So I kind of count that time um, as that I'm spending with God as time building my relationship with myself as well. And Dr. Murthy encourages us to really embrace and protect our moments of solitude and to use them as an opportunity to regroup and ground ourselves. Um, And he suggests things like meditation, prayer, um, scripture study can certainly count, right? Journaling, pondering, just taking time to be alone, to slow down and to clear our minds. And this is actually vital if we want to enhance the quality of our connections with others. Dr. Murthy says, our connection to other people really begins with our connection to ourselves. If we approach other people understanding our own value, being confident in who we are, being centered and grounded, 
it's actually easier for us to connect with them. We can listen more deeply and we can express ourselves more authentically without fear of being judged or not being enough. So don't you love that? We, we need to really get to know and appreciate ourselves before we can have genuine, fulfilling connections with others. And this goes right along with something I heard in a TED Talk the other day. It was by Dr. Sherry Turkle. She's a professor um, at MIT. And it was a really interesting talk about how technology influences how we connect with each other. And I thought um, this, it was really interesting what she said about our discomfort with being alone. And she says, the moment that people are alone, even just for a few seconds, they become anxious, they panic, they fidget, they reach for a device. Just think of people at a checkout line or a red light. Being alone feels like a problem that needs to be solved. You end up feeling isolated if you don't cultivate the capacity for solitude, the ability to separate, to gather yourself. Solitude is where you find yourself so that you can reach out to other people and form real attachments. When we don't have the capacity for solitude, we turn to other people in order to feel less anxious or in order to feel alive. When this happens, we're not able to appreciate who they are. It's as though we're using them as spare parts to support our fragile sense of self. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone, but we're at risk because actually it's the opposite that's true. If we're not able to be alone, we're going to be more lonely. And if we don't teach our children to be alone, they're only going to know how to be lonely. So she says, start thinking of solitude as a good thing. Make room for it. Find ways to demonstrate this as a value to your children. So that really is such a paradox, isn't it? That being comfortable with being alone is actually one of the keys to finding deeper, more meaningful connection with other people. So get to know yourself. Get to like yourself, right? Learn how to be at peace with yourself and with your own mind. I was talking to a really good friend a couple weeks ago, and she told me about a conversation she'd had with her daughter who was getting ready to leave for college, to go out of state, far away from home. And she was worried about being alone and not knowing people. And I love what my friend said to her daughter. She said, um, you know, I used to have a really hard time being alone, but I don't mind it so much anymore. And I've learned that so much of the reason I didn't want to be alone was because of my thoughts, my inner dialogue. It wasn't very positive. And so, of course, I didn't want to be alone with myself. But she says, now that I've learned how to think better, um, I, I like being with myself and being alone isn't such a big deal. And I just thought that was so good. So how think about how do you feel about the quality of your thoughts um, and what you're saying when you're alone with yourself? And I was thinking about this conversation later and thought about my years in elementary through high school um, and how sitting alone at lunch was one of the worst things I could think of, right? Did anybody else worry about this? I moved around a lot during my school years, and so I spent a lot of time um, feeling out of place and alone. And sitting alone at the lunch tables was so uncomfortable for me. I hated it. And it was because of, of what I was focused on, right? It was because of what I was thinking. I was having all kinds of thoughts about how I must look to others. Um, and people were probably thinking nobody wanted to sit with me, that I didn't have any friends, um, that I must not be very fun or likable. And so no wonder I hated sitting alone, right, with all those thoughts running through my mind. But then I thought about um, when I went to college. I went off to college and how I was alone all of the time, eating lunch, studying in the library, um, walking to and from classes. And I don't ever remember having those thoughts because because to me, college was different, at least in my mind, right? No one was judging me or it wasn't, didn't feel like a popularity contest. And I was totally fine being alone because I wasn't making it mean all of those negative things about myself. So really in both situations, my comfort or discomfort was coming from my thoughts, right? If I would have um, known this in my younger years, I probably could have changed my experience at lunchtime um, by changing my thoughts about it. But in either case, my circumstance was the same, right? I was alone um, and my thoughts about that circumstance were what made all the difference. 
So teach this to your kids. Help them learn how to question those negative thoughts that come up for them and help them to see their situation maybe in a different way and help them to understand that being alone isn't bad, that they can be their own best friend and that they can say kind things to themselves internally um, and they can value and like who they are. And this kind of thinking creates that positive emotion, right? Which we talked about. It it expands them. It helps them open themselves up to um, other kids and new experiences, right? It really is about our state of mind, which we do have a say in. So I think that's so cool. Okay, the third tip I have for you is another one from Dr. Murthy. And I love that he included this because it goes right along with what um, the gospel teaches us. He says that one of the most powerful antidotes to loneliness we have is to serve other people. Looking for opportunities to do something for someone else short circuits those survival mechanisms that turn us inward and actually turns our attention from ourselves to someone else in the form of a positive interaction. So serving others, he says, also reminds us of the value that we have to share with the world. So one of my favorite conference talks was given by Bonnie Oscarson. Um, It's called The Needs Before Us, and we watched this for our home church last week, and it led to such a good discussion with our kids. So in this talk, she quotes um, the scripture in Luke 9.24, which says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the the same shall save it. And up until a few months ago, the scripture kind of confused me a little, and I don't think I understood what it meant to really lose yourself. I, have, I may have talked about this a couple episodes back when I shared my thoughts on people-pleasing, but I was kind of under the impression that the scripture was saying um, that taking care of our own needs was selfish and that it was important to put others' needs above our own. And if we were doing that and keeping everybody happy with us, we were doing it right. But after trying to live that way for many years <clears throat> and experiencing all kinds of feelings of guilt and frustration and failure, I realized that I might need to take another look at what the scripture really meant. And as I've kind of cleared up my mind and my beliefs about what it really means to minister to others and to be a disciple of the Savior, my perspective about all of this has changed quite a bit. And I guess one of the most important things I've learned is um, what true self-care is and how to put that into effect in my own life. And I guess this kind of goes back to being okay with being alone with yourself. Your relationship with yourself is so important and it really affects all the other areas of your life, right? And I've also learned that part of real self-care is the ability to turn outward and not be so focused on our own selves and our own problems. So, of course, um, we need to learn mindfulness and how to process and handle emotions. Self-management is super important, but it's also important to be able to look outside of ourselves. Sister Oscarson um, quoted President Monson, who said, Those who live only for themselves eventually shrivel up and figuratively lose their lives, while those who lose themselves in the service to others grow and flourish, and in effect, save their lives. So losing yourself doesn't mean running yourself ragged, trying to do everything for everyone, but it is about losing or quieting those survival emotions of fear or loneliness or self-preservation enough so that we can turn outside of ourselves and use our talents and gifts to lift and serve each other. Um, You all know this. You've all felt the joy that comes when you genuinely forget yourself and focus on helping another person. It's one of the best feelings. In fact, um, Dr. Martin Seligman, one of the founders of Positive Psychology, said that one of the greatest joys we can have is not just doing something for another person, but using our individual, unique, innate gifts and capacities to go out and serve. And Dr. Murthy says that um, doing even the little things, calling a friend to check in, delivering a meal, lightening a load for others, you know, helps us feel more connection to them and to ourselves. And our service doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be a dramatic world-changing thing, right? I think um, some of the most meaningful service for me is um, given anonymously. Our little random acts of kindness, right? Those things that they do make a difference for ourselves and for others. 
Um, and so one last tip for you is to improve the quality of your interactions with others. When you do have those conversations and interactions, listen, um, be present with others, eliminate distractions as much as possible. Dr. Murthy says that listening seems passive, but that's actually a very validating and connective thing and that there is great power in just showing up for someone else, for them and for us. He talks about um, our three core desires as humans. Um, they are to be seen for who we are, to know that we matter, and to know that we're loved. And he says that all three of those needs can be met when we're fully present and listening deeply to each other. So again, I love this quote from Sister Oscarson's talk. She says, we live in a culture where more and more we are focused on the small little screen in our hands than we are on the people around us. We have substituted texting and tweeting for actually looking someone in the eye and smiling or even rarer having a face-to-face -face conversation. We are often more concerned with how many followers and likes we have than with putting an arm around a friend and showing love, concern, and tangible interest. As amazing as modern day technology can be for spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping us stay connected to family and friends, if we are not vigilant in how we use our personal devices, we too can begin to turn inward and forget that the essence of living the gospel is service. And I think as Dr. Murthy said, one of the greatest services we can give to another person is just to show up for them, to really be present and let them know they are seen, that they matter and that they're loved. Okay, so those are my thoughts for you today on loneliness and connection. I hope you've learned a little something about what you can do to feel more connected to yourself and to the people in your life. And again, if you want to learn more about this subject, um, Dr. Murthy's book is um, a great read, so go check it out. And as always, if you would like help applying the tools you hear on this podcast, you can shoot me a message on Instagram at Annette underscore Motherhood Elevated or email me at Annette at MotherhoodElevated.com. All right, I hope you all have a great week. I will see you back here again soon. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to check out my website at motherhoodelevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like, as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.